0: Welcome to Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle. I'm Bobby Osinski and this is a show all about music, music production, and the music business. My guest today is artist manager Nicholas Mishko. First of all, it had to happen. For quite some time now, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and just about any other social platform has been gamed. So when you look at the number of views, when you look at the number of likes, You don't know for sure whether those were earned legitimately or whether in fact they were bought. We thought for the most part that streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music were immune to that, but it turns out that's not the case. If you do a Google search for Spotify promotion, you will find dozens of companies that will advertise their services that will get you anywhere from 10,000 to 100,000 Spotify plays. For anywhere from five dollars on the low end to about three hundred on the high end. For between two and three hundred dollars, you can pretty much get a hundred thousand Spotify plays. Now to take it one step further, if you actually buy a bot for $97, you can program it to automatically click on a playlist and go from song to song on a free tier and a paid tier, it doesn't matter. And now we're seeing more and more of this happening. So if you're a record label or a manager, you can't even rely on those kind of numbers to evaluate what a particular artist is actually doing. Now, before you run out and do this, understand that this definitely violates Spotify's terms of service and you will be expelled forever. And it's already happened to a number of artists where they've been found out and they'll never be on Spotify again, at least with that artist's name and with their current registration credentials. So beware if you're going to do this, just like with everything else on all the other platforms, you find that after a while people begin to learn how to game it and as a result, The data that you see is no longer trusted, which is kind of a shame. Now, it goes a step further here from the standpoint that you can actually make money by doing this because the more Spotify plays you have, the more you're getting paid. Now, you're not getting paid a lot for each play, but you are getting paid. So it's working a couple of ways in your favor. But again, you have to be very careful if you're willing to do this still comes down to the old-fashioned way if you earn your plays and your streams and your views it's going to be better for everybody in the long run especially you If you have any questions or comments, send them to questions at FabioWarnerCircle.com. The second edition of my Social Media Promotion for Musicians Handbook is now available on Amazon, iBooks, Ingram, and a bookstore near you. It's the manual for marketing yourself, your band, and your music online, and covers how to use virtually every important online platform for promotion. Also, you might want to check out my courses at BobbyOsinskiCourses.com. Now, I think we're all under the impression that music helps you concentrate. It never worked for me, personally. Whenever I listen to music, it captures my entire attention, and I just can't do anything else. So, generally speaking, if I have to do something creative like write, I never have music on in the background. But you find that a lot of people do. And for a long time, the thought was, and the studies showed, that music could actually help you with a particular task. This was actually called the Mozart Effect, and it was discovered in the 1990s, and it was based more on spatial tasks where the efficiency increased immediately after listening to Mozart. So for a while there, everybody thought, well, let's listen to Mozart and we'll get really smart. (laughs) Well, it turns out that further studies, and some recent ones especially, found out that it wasn't really due to Mozart, the type of music. The efficiency increase was due mostly to the type of mood you're in and the type of arousal. So now it's been renamed the mood and arousal effect. In fact, recent studies have found that you perform most tasks 40% poorer in the presence of music and it doesn't matter whether you like the music or not you're going to have much poor performance and guess what your performance is going to be even poorer if you're listening to music with lyrics now there is one exception if you're doing something that's really creative sometimes that creativity can actually increase if you're listening to music that you like But I think for the most part, the whole idea of listening to music to help you concentrate, to help you with a particular task, it's been found that that's not the case. So as much as we'd all like our music to have a positive effect on all aspects of our listener's life, that's certainly not the case, at least when it comes to concentration. Nicholas Mischko is an artist manager who understands both modern artists and audiences. After a stint at Apco Music and Records in New York City, he watched deals for music by legacy artists like the Rolling Stones. That left Nicholas well-armed for negotiating recording and publishing contracts for his artists. That's a skill that many young managers don't have today and one that makes his services so attractive. We spoke at length about management via phone from his office in Ohio. Tell me about your management company.
1: Okay. Um, well, I've been managing bands full time for the last uh God, five years now. So two thousand and twelve is when I officially launched Ten and Eight Management. Um before I, I, I managed bands, I worked in New York City for a major label Apco Music and Records, and I did the royalties and licensing and publishing. I worked in those departments and some of our clients were the Rolling Stones, the Who. Chubby Checker, Question Mark of the Mysterians, a lot of old school cats, some some early Bob Seger stuff. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I did that for five years and, you know, it's, you can only, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's cool to see all those, you know, those classic rock artists and, you know, but it's, it was, you know, it gets to be very repetitive and, you know, I took on one artist you know after five years of, you know, doing, you know, working at APCO and. And then one artist turned into three and I was like, I I think I got something going on here. And I, you know, I love working more directly with the artists, you know, long story short, I launched my management company, three artists and a laptop turned into, now I've got three employees, an office, 16 clients, one overseas and five years later, and I haven't looked back since. So that's kind of me in a nutshell.
0: Are you just a management company or are you talent agency as well?
1: Uh, just a straight, straight management company. We, you know, we do book events, but we try to leave that towards the agents. You know, it's, it's, you know, we we have enough to worry about and you have to have, you have to be a special, special, you know, God bless all the booking agents I work with, all the troubles that they put up with. Um, so we try to, you know, outsource that to them. But as far as, you know, You know, we manage bands, we manage artists, we take care of their tours, we take care of you know making sure that their copyrights are done, their you know their ASCAP, their BMI, all that stuff. You know, their day to day business is taken, their affairs are in order. So that's that's what we do. You know, make sure that they get paid, make sure that you know the royalty statements come in, make sure the tours keep coming in, um, sponsorship deals. Just you know, all the day-to-day business stuff for the artists. We we try to take all the weight off their shoulders so they can focus strictly on the
0: music. Well, let's take a step back for a second. Tell me how you got to ABCO.
1: Okay. Um, so let us All right, let's go back in time here. So before Facebook and social media, I got I I sound I sound I old when I say this, but you know back. um when not even LinkedIn was a thing. Um, I gra- you know, I graduated college and I, I knew I wanted to work in the music business. And I you know I read books, I read Rolling Stone magazine and everyone that I ever read about, they're like, you have to get an internship. So I applied and applied and applied. And you know, I got my, my first internship at a little record label in New Jersey called Rock Ridge Music. They were doing <laughs> So this is before APCO, the summer before APCO. And, you know, I I did it for summer. I learned, you know, pretty much the ins and outs of how, what a label, little, you know, uh, a little independent label does. And from there, I was like, I really want to stay in this business. And over 300 resumes later, I probably applied to every label, every major label, you name it, from Nashville to New York to California. And after a bunch of, Interviews, I, I got in with APCO, and, you know, I spent five, four and a half-ish years there, so.
0: That's an interesting label to be with, just because of the legacy. Oh, yeah. And the fact that there's a lot of, um, for want of a better term, industrial knowledge there, especially on management, and because Alan Klein, of course, came from management, So I would imagine that would have been a really good place to start your career, to learn about things on a major level.
1: At the time when I started there, I, you know, I, you know, I did my research and, you know, you, but as the, as the time progressed and I worked there longer and longer, um, you know, you, 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 you learn the history and you find, you know, after, you you know, a few months of being there, you finally realize like (laughs) all you, you almost was like, wow, like the, that all the history there. And then, you know, you're working at the company, his son runs the company now, Jody Klein, the, the company itself and the staff, amazing people. Like they've told me that if there's ever a time I want my job back, I can have it. I, I consider that company family, but you're absolutely right. And what's, it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm 32 and, you know, I deal with a lot of, you know, younger artists and a lot of, you know, people at APCO is a lot of old school music business, and I think you're absolutely right there to start my career there. My, you know, my my music business career there, and knowing how to do the royalties and you know how to dig deep and comb through the you know the the, the numbers and everything, it really helps me. And um, yeah, because when I say ABCO to a lot of I guess, the older generation of music business, they they smile, some smile, some smirk. <laughs> you know, some under you know some, know, some know the history. Some you know, um, but yeah, it's, yeah it's, it was a great company to work for, and I I still talk to a lot of my mentors still over there today.
0: I recently read Alan Klein's biography, and it was fascinating because he was a very complex man. Just to have contact with that company on, on the level that you did, the intimate level, I think is. Again, one of those things that uh, you, you probably couldn't pay for in terms of knowledge of how to do things, uh, or at least the way it was done old school-wise, as you say.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, I think, I, I I know what you're talking about with this, but I'm actually, I have it right here in my office, I'm looking at it right now, and it's, you know, I, when that came out, I had to get it because it was like, you know, I worked at a company for so long, and, um, you know, it's... <sighs> It, it was surreal, just be, you know, being able to, you know, I was, God, what was I was like 22 years old and seeing a check for, you know, Mick Jagger or Keith Richards, and just, you know, seeing all the, um, the royalty statements from the famous movies that their music was in, you know, Goodfellas. Um, trying to think from the other, you know, it was just it's surreal. So, but yeah, I, I wouldn't trade that. I think. Um, I think it was a good company to start my business off and, you know, my, my career off and learning, um, the music business.
0: Now, that being said, as you said, it was very old school because it's an old school company with legacy clients, but you have what I would think would be very new school and modern because you almost have to be with younger clients. And the music business is done differently these days. So how have you found that the dichotomy between the old school that you, you kind of knew with Abco and now what you have to do as a manager?
1: I think as far as the, the old school versus new school, a lot of, um, with the old school, uh, I guess more results, less talking, if that makes sense. Um, uh, a lot of, you know, show me the money. Let's, you know, let's, let's make it happen. Um, I'm dealing on on that end versus the new school. I think, you know, using the stuff I learned at APCO, um, the very first thing for all, for my clients, you know, being younger and newer artists, um, royalties first and foremost, setting up their ASCAP, their BMI, getting their tour royalties, knowing how to audit a, you know, a record label royalty statement. It's, yeah, it, it's it's really benefited me because you know knowing how to do that, and I've even had other managers reach out to me. Oh, I've heard you know how to do this and that, and you know you know the royalty rates and the mechanicals and this, and you know how to get the money. And it's it's really benefited.
0: Now, all that being said, that's all changed too because old school was getting it from mechanical royalties, from sales, and from radio airplay, and from licensing, and now everything is yeah is so different because now we're talking about digital royalties coming from streaming for the most part. Yeah. And and it's a completely different mindset. I know that there are people that are in the music business, have been in the music business that I know for a long time. And this is accountants, these are managers, these are publishers that still can't get their arms around the current state of the art is there. So how do you approach that?
1: As far as it's (laughs) it's not easy. It's very difficult to stay on top of, um, on everything. Like, for example, when, when I worked at APCO, like I remember seeing in, you know, you know, being in meetings and, you know, discussing as far as, you know, chargebacks from brick and mortar stores and, you know, sending product off to, you know, the stores to be placed on the shelves. And now that doesn't happen so much. Um, now everything's as what you said, digital, Oh, uh, just staying on top, of what's that's the number one medium that people want to get music. It's a lot
0: of,
1: a lot of reading of, I guess how I do a lot of reading of, of your, your music business blogs trying to, you know, what's okay. What's a lot of it. What's okay. This artist is big at the moment. What are they doing? Oh, they're pushing their Spotify. Oh, they're landing on playlists. They're okay. They're, they're doing this kind of promotion on Facebook. I think just, kind of mimicking what's successful for other people and trying to use that to, you know, push my artists.
0: Yeah, I get it. That being said, when you get a new artist, what's the strategy that you have for that artist? The reason why I bring that up is because these days you can't just have an artist and kind of wing it because there's just, there's too many moving parts.
1: A lot of chess pieces.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: what I do is um, oh, all right, for, I have to love the music. I, I, have I have to, I have to be a fan um, because at the end of the day, when I'm pitching it to, you know, a, a radio person or a label or an agent, I have to, I mean, it's, 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 called, it's almost like food. Like hear me out. As far as you ever try to like telling your friend about a dish that you really don't like and they're, they can kind of, they can tell that like, why are you even telling me about, if you tell them about your favorite food or something that you love, they're going to feel your enthusiasm. They're going to want to try it. Same thing goes with selling. Same thing goes with music. If you're a fan of the music, you can sell it. You can pitch it. And people will, you know, if you, oh, there's this hard rock band. They're up and coming. They're doing great things. And they're going to feel your enthusiasm. and They're going to want to check out the band. But so first things first, I have to be a fan of the music. So I found it. So let's say I find the band. I like their music. Okay, first thing. Where are they at with their social media? Can they tour? That's a big thing. Can they, um, do they have the means to tour? Um, what's their family life like? What's their personal life like? Would they be able to go out on the road for a month? Um, you know, get every, I call it building the foundation. You know, Do they have a website? Do they have merchandise? Getting everything together. Okay, do they have demos? Do they have a new album? When was the last album released? Assessing everything and then, Okay, are they going in the studio? When would we need that done? Then pitching that to the labels. Are they going to do an independent release? Just basically making the six to twelve month plan. Um, that's right out the gate, half because it's it's a lot of chess pieces, especially tours. Oh my goodness! Like tomorrow, one of my bands over in the UK—they're coming to the United States for thirty days—and the chess pieces of getting a band here to the states from over across seas. So many chess pieces. So many moving parts. So just making sure that, you know, before you get those parts moving, are they, you know, are they oiled up? Are they ready to go? So,
0: How easy is it to book tours these days? And the reason why I bring that up is there seem to be fewer and fewer really good music venues. There's a lot of competition to get into those venues. So how do you deal with that?
1: A lot of being able to, well, I, being able to book tours is easier because the, if the information's readily out there, you know, you can, it's pretty easy to get a hold of, you know, the, you know, who's the talent buyer, who's the, you know, the agent, it's a matter of just, you know, convincing them to to buy the tour package to, you know, want them to spend the money. It is getting harder and harder out there. A lot of, you know, a lot of music, you know, if, if it's not the music industry or sorry, music venues closing, it's, um, you know, the talent buyer decides he doesn't want to do it anymore. I can't tell you how many times that a, you know, a talent buyer, he's just was like, I'm done with the music business. And there's a hole in the market and there's a great music, there's great music venues, but there's nobody buying, you know, tour packages. A lot of people ask me, well, how come your bands don't tour through this area of the country? It's not that they don't want to, there's nobody buying packages at that, you know? So it's, it's, it's very difficult. You, you trying to stay one step ahead. Um, As with everything, things cost money, touring, it's gas, you know, gas prices, buying merch up front. It's, you know, it all costs money, but you know, we do our best, try to keep them on the road.
0: You know, I, I haven't heard of that problem yet where you just mentioned about promoters leaving the business and I haven't heard of that. I mean, you know, I, obviously there's a certain amount of attrition that always happens, but it seems like it's a little more pronounced these days than it has been in the past.
1: Like for example, um, Uh, right here in Ohio we have there's uh there's like like northeast Ohio there's we had one good promoter that he just decided he didn't want to do anymore and you know you're always I guess you're always going to have someone that's like oh I'll put on the show but it's like you know and you get a lot of times people thinking that oh I just I'll buy the package and then that'll be it and people will I'll book them and they'll come (laughs) it don't work that way yeah um it's, you know, you got to put up the promotion. It's a lot more than just a Facebook event. You got to get the locals, got to get, you know, try to hit up local radio, try to hit up, you know, our local college stations, try to get the street team. It's, it's a lot in promoting and, you know, pushing a show. So, but yeah, good promoters leading the game. That's, that's a big figure.
0: How about social media? What's the most important part of social media or is social media not as important as it used to be for an artist?
1: it's, it's certain, certain mediums are a lot more prevalent now. It used to like three years ago, it used to be that, um, you know, push Facebook. Now with Facebook, you're not reaching your audience unless you're paying up. Um, it's pretty much, you know, social media is always going to be important, but right now I'd say the top ones are, you know, you're definitely your, your Instagrams and your YouTubes twitter not so much that used to be prevalent 3 4 years ago you know, facebook until someone comes along and builds something better i mean you're always going to have it it's just you know i tell my bands you know you have to keep them updated not only that to keep your fans updated it's also it comes down to a lot of times social media uh, i mean if you're not on tour people don't know you're working for the band like for example let's say i get a new band and they um they're not on tour at the moment they're writing in the studio well mr music executive in nashville or new york or la or boston or wherever the hell he is he you know he doesn't know the band's working but if he goes on social media oh they're in the studio i see a picture on instagram okay oh, they, they made a studio video it, it lets you know maybe i want to invest in you know in this band it shows people that you're working with. shows you know Sometimes you gotta be, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the most grease, and you have. Sometimes you gotta do that with social media.
0: What is the best way that you've found for an artist to build his fan base?
1: I think right now, Spotify and YouTube. I definitely think because Spotify, if you can get on a Spotify curated playlist, you're having thousands and thousands of people discover your music every week. Um, same thing goes with YouTube. You put out a great music video, it catches on. Um, I, th- I think that'd be really beneficial. Now with that being said, you know, it's, it's not one of those things where you want to put out a hundred videos and you know, it, you, you want to do quality over quantity. Cause to me, I look at it as like one music video with 500,000 views. You know, that's a lot better than 10 videos with, you know, 5,000 views. It's, you know, if you have something even a song on Spotify, you know, a song on Spotify it's getting millions and millions of plays that single, like that's really, any talent buyer in the world, any festival buyer, they're going to be interested. They're going to want to book that band. So I definitely, I, I would say your Spotify and your YouTube, if you got some solid numbers behind those, that's, that's really going to help you.
0: When I talk to artists, they tend to want to play festivals rather than other venues. I mean, festival seems like it's a big thing. In the grand scheme of things, how important are festivals to an artist's career? Is it more important to just get out there and tour? Is it more important to play the right festivals? How does that work in the grand scheme of things, the way you see it? With festivals, I kind of like to use them as like your anchor shows. For example,
1: um, let's say I have a band and they want to do three weeks on the road. Festivals, they pay more get you in front of more people in one location, you can network, walk the crowds, walk the lines, and, you know it's, it's, it's everyone essentially comes to you. but I like to I like to pair those up with tours because if let's say we have a band out of Cleveland and let's let's say they're going to Miami and back um, not even three weeks, two weeks on the road. you know they hit all the good markets all the way to Miami, they circle back, come back up through Cleveland. But if they got like a festival down in Atlanta, that that Atlanta festival, you know, that can that can fund a majority of the tour, you know, because you're with, you're going to get a lot more playing even college, college festivals like college shows. You know, they pay more, so I could see why bands want to want to play them. With that being said, it's not the end all be all. Everybody wants to play festivals. Everybody wants to play in front of thousands of people. It's hard, just like everything in the music business. But I think pairing them well, you know, especially if you if you pitch to a talent buyer and you say, Oh, we have a tour, this works out perfectly. And, you know, even if you did like a, like a road to festival XYZ or whatever it is, you're playing, you know, a tour to that and you, you know, try to pair it up. It's, you know, that works, but um, yeah, they help. It's just a matter of, you know, touring, right. Touring smart. Um, Touring does help. And, you know, labels want to see that, you know, agents want to see that. I think touring smart over touring, you can get burned out. I've seen a lot of artists get burned out. You know, they don't see the, you know, the needle in their, their career moving because you should always be trying to grow and, you know, move forward. But as far as, you know, touring goes, I don't think any band should just go out there and just tour blindly. I think they should look at it as like, you know, look at their spot you even you go back and you know see what markets you're hitting with your spotify and your social media and what what cities you have strong numbers in hit those hit those markets or even if you did you know five days in one direction turn around five days back you know warm up markets because you just if you're out of like pittsburgh or um in new york city and you've never played Atlanta, or you've never played Nashville before, <laughs> you're not going to have a lot of people at your first show. So you always, you want to warm up, warm up the markets. So that's, that's kind of like how the approach I, I take with the uh, festivals and the touring.
0: You mentioned labels just now, and given that you have a label background, would you prefer one of your artists to sign with a label or go the do it yourself route?
1: It depends. It really it, it depends on the deal and the situation you have I mean look at you know there's a lot of a lot of artists out there that you know they're they're doing really well on their own and they're moving a lot of units um, I think it's different with every with every artist every scenario and what they need for their career not to give you a basic answer but uh, trying to um, you know if if an artist finds that they you know, don't need that team behind them and it's working, you know, it's whatever works for your artists. Um, I find that a good solid team between, behind every one of our artists works, works really well. We've got a lot of great uh, labels. Um, you know, we work with a, a handful of great labels and, you know, they, you know, they pair our artists up with publicists, you know, I get the agents and, you know, so you have management label publicists all pushing the artist. Well, that being said, I've seen some artists that, like you know, like I said earlier, they're doing really well. They don't have a label; they have just an agent, publicist, and manager, and they're they're doing great. So it's it's all it all comes down to, you know, if the <laughs> I guess money talks, and if the deal is great, and it's something that you see, um, you know, it's it's like if Sony, if, if, you know, if one of the labels over at Sony or Universal presented me with a deal, I'm gonna consider it. You know, that's a major, you know, it's a major label. So it's, I guess it's, it depends on where the artist is at, what they need, and if the deal's good.
0: Now, speaking of which, since you've been inside of a label, you're probably very astute at looking at label deals. You're aware of what's the standard and what isn't. And I would imagine that that makes you pretty good at negotiating a deal.
1: It's, it's helped. It's definitely helped. There's been a lot of times I can dig deep into it, and you know, why are you giving me a less of a mechanical royalty rate, or why are you, you know, why is this controlled composition? Why you have it word this way, or how come there's not, you know, gratis CDs up front? Where's the tour support? It allows me, you know, with my background working with the labels, and it's allowed me to be able to dig deep and ask for your, I guess, I consider them typical things that every artist should ask for, but just your Non, uh, you know, if an artist doesn't have any knowledge of music business, they wouldn't necessarily know to ask. So it's definitely it's helped me. It's helped me a lot. So um sometimes, you know, I don't like to pull those cards, you know, show them right at first in negotiations with the label because, you know, it's, you know, it's the element of surprise. You know, it, it all depends, like I said, on, on the deal, but it's it's definitely helped me.
0: What's the hardest thing out of all the jobs you do? And I know there's a multitude of jobs that a manager has to do these days. What's the thing that you either find the hardest or you dislike the most?
1: Um, well, I have something. Okay. So I would say the hardest thing in the music business is definitely getting the tours. A lot of bands want the tour support, they want to open for the big bands. They want to, you know, they want to do the the huge theater tours they want to, you know, they want to play in front of thousands of people and the music business is small. It's really small. It's, it's, um, yes, you deal with artists all over the world, but sooner or later, you run into a lot of the same people and everyone knows everyone. And it's, it's a small industry. Um, and a lot of times, you know, deals and, um, you know, get tours and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's all on who, you know, and it's, you're all, you know, if you have, you know, if you have a huge tour and they're looking for a hard rock band and you pitch real hard rock band and then you have 60 other managers pitching and, or 60 other agents pitching, it's, you know, that's, I think that definitely can be one of the difficult things you do get a, you know, if you do get a, a good tour, then that can lead to another one and it can lead to another one and, From there, you know, good press, and it's you know, you always want to see your clients, you know, push forward. But I I definitely think that has got to be the the most difficult thing out of the entire music business is getting the really good, solid tours for the artists.
0: Now that being said, to get on a big tour, isn't there a buy on? Yes and no. So
1: um, we've done a lot of great support tours where they don't, uh, you know, they don't add. It's kind of a taboo word. Um, word, a lot of agents don't like to say buy on these days. They like say, um, uh, can you contribute marketing plans and, or can, can you contribute what we can do with marketing? Um, some do come out and say, yes, I want X amount of dollars. Um, but it doesn't happen that much these days as far as, um, you know, you have a, a big tour coming through and if, if it fits and, you can you know you can get through to the agent or the manager and they like your band you know and you get put on the shortlist a lot of times they're very upfront on what they need whether it be marketing or you know sometimes people think oh that money's just gonna go out of pocket sometimes it does I'm, just, I'm gonna be upfront and I'm gonna be completely real with you sometimes it does not all the time but you know sometimes you know there's agents they definitely they use it for marketing they you know they hire out a third- party publicist. But it, you know, it it doesn't happen all the time. Most, um, most agents are up front, especially if you do this. And, you know, it's, but as far as being able to contribute marketing dollars and stuff like that for tours, it, it definitely helps. It helps with everything. Um, so I guess if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, definitely. What do you think is the very most important thing for an artist to have? Is there one important characteristic or trait that an artist has to have to uh, gain success? Aside from the music, of okay. course. Oh,
1: yeah, because <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I was definitely going to say, I'm a firm believer in, at the end of the day, the music is what, you know, it's, that that's what sells everything. The artist is great, but, you know, they've got to have an image. they got to have, you know, the understanding, know-how, kind of, at least a, a little bit of the know-how in the music business, knowing that, you know, if you want to be in a band and you want to go on tour that you're going to miss, I guess, you know, you're going to miss family events. You're going to miss, you know, girlfriends, wives, you're going to miss, you know, brothers, sisters, events, you know, special things at home. Just, I guess for an artist to make it, just have that, you know, not be ignorant of what it takes to be in the music business. That it's, that it's tough, that it's, you know, it's it's a long, hard road, but, you know, I'm a firm believer if you work hard enough, you can make it. You definitely can. It's just it's a lot of, you know, keep grinding, keep, you know, don't take no for an answer and just keep pushing forward.
0: I guess you would say the same thing for a manager as well then, right?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have to develop thick skin. Oh, my goodness. I can't tell how many times a day I get told no, and I just look at it as like, But to me, I look at it as like like a personal challenge, because when someone tells me no, now I, I I have to sell you. Now I really, because to me, I look at it as like no doesn't necessarily mean no for the client. It means come back in six months. Why Why didn't this deal? Because there's been times, sponsorship deal didn't work out, but six months down the road, I pitched it again, and the artist grew a little bit, and it worked out perfectly. Same thing with the label. You know, the label we're not really feeling the band, but. You, you know perseverance you know persistence and six to nine months down the road you know we, we pitched you this artist before but they've grown they, they've grown their fan base they got some new music could you check them out again oh wow we could definitely see them maturity so it's being able to just keep pushing forward and realize that you're going to be told no a lot things take time things you know things don't happen overnight i mean look even look i mean it, everything from interviews to deals, it, it all takes time. I mean, it even took a few weeks for you and us to schedule, uh, you know, an interview. It's, you know, things take time in music business. A lot of artists, a lot, a lot of young artists, they, they want something to happen. They want it right now, overnight. It doesn't happen. It <laughs> does not happen. So,
0: You know, uh, Nick, you mentioned sponsors before. How important is sponsorship?
1: As far as, uh, it's again, it, it depends on what the artist needs. You know, when I, when I pick up an artist and they say, you know, can you get us free stuff? <laughs> That's not going to happen. You know, I tell them, it, you know, it's, it's the end of the day, it's, it's business. Um, you know, we just, we just did a, an airlines deal that got all of our artists, spon- you know, sponsored by, you know, airlines. Uh, we're about to announce that this week where basically they get to fly anywhere in, in the world. And, but that was a lot of back and forth. Like what can we give them what they can give us? Um, we've also done, you know, the beer sponsorships um we've done event sponsorships and it's it, it really helps the artists but it's, it's what the artist can provide you know if you're if you have it if you have an artist that's just playing a local show you know and they want you know like a whiskey or a fireball sponsorship it's really not going to happen but if you have like if they're playing like a college show there's gonna be like 500 kids or i don't want to say kids 500 um younger adults and they're all in that demographic. They, you know, they're in college, and they, you know, drink a certain type of whiskey. And it's, you know, you should give us free handouts, or you should give us posters. Is really going to help your, you know, your, um, your, your brand, and it matches your demographic. You know, it's all in the cell. um It's, it, you know, it, even with instruments. You know, you, uh, a guitar company, a drum, a drunk company. They're not going to give an artist a discount if the, you know, if the artist is in touring. But if an artist is on tour say they're on tour 60 dates and they're going to be in front of X amount of people every night all throughout the country. And uh, you know, this drum company gives one of my artists a free kit and we can say, your kid's going to be seen in front of all these people I put on social media that we're giving them something in return of value for them to give us, you know, interest. so it's, it definitely helps just, but it's a matter of, you know, give and take what you can give them and what they can give you. So, I tell all my artists, don't go crazy. You know, it's a, don't look at it as like free stuff. Look, it's a it's a partnership. What can you give them? It's a business that helps. You have to use that mind frame and think of it as like, what can I do to have that brand help me, and how can I help them? Not looking as like, oh, I just want free guitar strings, because if you look at it like that, you're not going to get anything.
0: Yeah, you know, for a younger artist who doesn't have any business sense or exposure to what business is really like they can have a skewed view of what's possible and what's available and what's realistic, I think. So yeah, you hit it in the head.
1: I agree with you hundred percent because a lot of times, you know, an artist, Oh, I see, you know, uh, this band, they, they've got, you know, uh, custom keys of guitars or custom Gibson guitars or Fender. It's like they don't realize back and forth negotiations and that band's been touring for Ten months out of the year, and you know, it's it's just like we're trying to get stuff to help our our brands. They're trying to get stuff to help their brands. And if they're not going to get advertisement and stuff like that, they're not going to want anything to do with you. So yeah, it's I like I said, I agree with you 100. There could be a lot of, a lot of ignorant, you know, a lot of like skewed minds on like how it's it's just not. Oh, you're in a band. It's free. It don't work that way.
0: So, <laughs> last question, Nick. What's the best piece of business advice that maybe you learned along the way, or maybe someone imparted to you?
1: Best piece of business advice. It was the very first year I, uh, I started at APCO. Their senior vice president, Joe Parker, he's a great man. Um, he brought me into his office one time and he always told, he told me, he's like, Nicholas shut the door. (laughs) And, He's like, I've been in this business for a long time. And he's like, best piece of advice. I can. He's like, you're young. You seem like you want to be in this music business for a while. He goes, there's a lot of assholes. You know, I don't, I don't mean a curse. I don't know. Um, but he said, be that nice guy. Be that nice guy that gets results and everybody will want to work with you. And it's from there, I've kind of instilled it in my work ethic of, you know, just being very easy to work with and getting results done, being dependable and that's gotten me really, really far. There's a lot of, you know, people they want oh, to be all tough and you don't need to do that. And I think Joe Parker's advice at AFCO really helps me in, you know, my work ethic and everything, because it's, I, you know, I, I pride myself on trying to be very easy to work with, trying to make, you know, cause if you can make someone else's job easy, they're going to want to work with you again. You know, if there, it's, they're gonna to want to do business with you again they're gonna oh you know because people don't you know if you if you, if you there's five people in the room and you're the you're you're the easygoing guy that they like working with you and you get results done you're gonna get picked every time and you know that's so that's that's what I've kind of used and I've stuck with it and if it's not broke don't fix it and so that's that's what I do and that's try to be easy to work with and get results
0: I totally agree with you, but the irony in that is—is is it's coming from someone in Alan Klein's company. Alan was not noted for being the nicest person in the music business or the easiest to work with. So again, there's a great dose of irony there. I think I believe in that philosophy myself.
1: It's, it's been it's been crazy as far so this uh, so next year would be ten years I've worked in the music business and going from the the tail end of the older generation in music business to the new, I guess, music industry 2.0 with all the social medias. It's, it's very, um, cause it's, it's, it's just as crazy. Cause it's like my very first record label internship. I remember like I was 22 years old sending out hundreds and hundreds of packages to radio stations and calling people. I was 22 years old. I had a, a, a notebook full of, you know, record late or record stores in Texas and Utah and, you know, radio stations. I'd have to call them personally. Now the, in the internships are it's so different, but it's, you know, I'm only about to be 32, but it's, it's still, I guess it's, it's, to me, it's really cool the change, but like, I, I speak to, you know, college students that are only 10 years younger than me. And, you know, I tell them, Oh, you don't know what it's like to send out a hundred posters to shows. Or have to call up newspapers and radio, and 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 not just make a Facebook event and call that marketing and promotion. Like really having to pick up the phone and get things done. And yeah, so it's 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 been you know I hope to be in the music industry for you know the rest of my life. I'm blessed to be able to I've done this full time for the last you know ten years, and I hope to continue doing this, and we'll uh, see what happens.
0: To find out more about Nicholas, go to 10and8management.com. That's the number 10 and the number 8 management. That's all one word, 10and8management.com. Thanks for listening and being my Inner Circle. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to questions at bobbyownercircle.com. To listen to other episodes of Bobby Osinski's Inner Circle, go to bobbyosinski.com and select the podcast tab or go to bobbyownercircle.com or find an it on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, and Google Play. At bobbyosinski.com and bobbyownercircle.com, you'll also find a sign-up form for my newsletter and for alerts for new podcasts. This is Bobby Osinski. I will see you next time.